Today's guest is my good friend, Om Rapani. Om teaches domination and submission and intimacy and other things that people who relate to people should learn. He's based in New York City and uh, teaches all over the world. You can find out more about his work and where he's teaching at omrapani.org. If you caught our, our other podcasts, you kind of get a gist for what we speak about. Actually, I call them again because um, the last couple of weeks, for some reason, coincidence, I don't know, a bunch of people who follow me in some way mentioned to me that they really loved the podcast with Om. So it's like, all right, well, excuse to talk to my buddy Om again. Um, in this one, we cover a lot of interesting topics as always. Uh, highlight, title of this episode, Conscious Dominance in Male Leadership. We speak about archetypes, sexual archetypes in both men and women, development of children and masculinity in society and instinct versus culture. It's a fun episode as always. And, um, quick announcement. Uh, we do speak about the masculine archetype. And if you've caught my recent podcast, you know, I have a course coming up for men on the masculine archetype. It's a 21 day challenge. I don't want to say reprogram. It's not the right way to put it. It's more like, uh, uncover the more powerful testosterone-fueled archetype, the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that would have a man be a more empowered, authentic version of himself. It's a 21-day challenge to do that. You can check that out at MasculineUnderground.com slash archetype. It starts in June, so if you're interested, join soon. And right now, you're listening to episode 054, Omrapani, Conscious Dominance and Male Leadership. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. All right, we're on. So, uh, yeah, so um, I, I had to speak to you because last week, and actually even today, because I've been doing these free coaching sessions to people on my email list for my birthday, uh, people keep saying, I love your podcast with Omar Pani. So I was like, Sign from the universe. We must speak again. So cool. good to speak to you as always. Good. What What did they like about it? What were the topics? Well, uh, some of the things. I mean, a lot of single guys struggle with dominance. Like they get it intellectually, but and they know that women want it from them. But it's so hard to shake the nice guy stuff, the feeling yeah. that it's going to be harmful. And then there's also a couple of guys who are in relationships who are having trouble finding sexual polarity with their girlfriend. So those are, those are the two big categories that have been brought up to me about you and your work. Very good. Well, it's hard to, I don't know, is that what you want to talk about? Do you want yeah, to let's start? start there? I don't know. What can we say about it? Those are big topics. I mean, my first response comes like, it's, it's going to sound like a sales pitch, but it's also the honest answer, which is like, get some training. I think it's like, you're already in a, the hard it's like it's like you're already in the in the water it's like you're in the river right am i i know this is kind of like a silly enough but am i it's like people are already in the water and they're soaked they're soaked and they're like i would like to get completely dried up and i'm like uh it's going to take a minute <laughs> but i mean you need to let's let's get you out of the river let's take off the warm the, let's take off the wet clothes here's a towel dry off your hair here's some dry clothes Sit on the bank for a while, enjoy the sunshine, give yourself a couple of hours, wiggle your toes, and you will soon start to feel what dryness feels like. It's like really taking people out of one frame they're immersed in and putting them into a different frame. The challenge I often face is, uh, sorry, just to carry this analogy, like imagine the guy is in the river, but he's like, I want to be dry. Can you hand me a towel? And I'm like, I can, I can hand you a towel, brother. I'm not quite sure how much it's going to help. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's really weird because it's like, it's like, well, the towel is no good. I'm like, no, the towel is good. The towel helps people get dry. If I give you some tips about DS, about why people do DS play, about what dominance means, you can take these little nuggets. Hopefully you can find uses for them. Maybe you'll get yourself a little bit dried up. But it's like, it's, it feels really hard because people are, they, they don't realize how immersed they are in their current frame. Yeah. You know, I, they I don't know they're soaked to the bone and they're like, hand me a towel so I can get dry. I'm like, let's, uh, let's do a little bit more than that for you. Yeah, and the only I, way I, I know. Just, go ahead. Yeah. And as I said, 
and even 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 a weekend workshop is not it's not kind of a permanent transference from the soaking river to the dry shore but at least maybe for two days you will be out of the water or maybe for a few moments during that weekend you will say oh shit this is what dry land feels like and you will you will find a reference point and an anchor to there and then you can start building from there but it takes a little bit it takes takes a little bit more effort than simply tips yeah because uh it's so hard to i mean a lot of it's per changing your perception of normal like the guy i was just speaking to literally minutes ago uh he and his girlfriend want to expand their sex life she's very resistant sounds like she does have a desire for submission though um and i was telling him there's no way you're going to convince her of the merits of ds even if she like if you, even if you could feel she wants it but if she's in a workshop and she can see other women experiencing the joy of surrender, how it's actually yep. empowering, how it's bringing her and her husband or boyfriend close together, it'll be normal and you won't have to do any convincing. Like that's the best thing you can do. Like there's no technique that'll work better than being immersed in something where it's normal. That is, is very much true. I think the biggest, I think this is especially true for women is women, listen, women are naturally envious of other women and I, I don't even mean that as a slight uh, you know what I mean uh, I think the the way to look for it from an evolutionary perspective is we all want to model ourselves on people who seem to be doing well who seem to be doing better than us so if your sex life sucks and you encounter let's say as a woman your sex life is mediocre and then you encounter other women who really seem to be having peak and deep experiences you're like well what is she doing they, they're going to need to see if there are other models available for them to model themselves on. And yeah. again, our sex lives, our erotic lives are where that happens the least because we keep it private and locked up because that's the way our sexual mores have been forever. So we don't really share information on this and people don't get to see. So yes, very much so. Even if you come to a workshop and, you know, let's say even if you don't participate yourself, let's just say you do that, you're one of those students every time you have a couple of students who show up but don't do the hands-on work or they don't do some of it they get a lot from seeing other people who, who to them look like oh these are good people this that woman looks just like me or that woman is or she's actually quite pretty or that woman actually has a quite a handsome boyfriend so they're like oh well they're doing it and she's getting out of this oh and, and the problems she is describing are also my problems so it just it, it begins a pathway towards kind of normalizing it you know, changing perspective. So I think it's where the community aspect is truly very helpful. The, the other thought occurred to me, another tip I would give to your guy if he came to me with that problem in a coaching session would be, you know, kind of like in The Godfather, make people an offer they can say yes to. Make, make them an offer they can't refuse. So if you're, if you have a feeling your woman is interested in exploring DS, if she has desire to go into subspace and, and, you know, don't don't drag her to a dungeon. Don't even if you can't drag her to a workshop. Maybe you can acquire some skill on your own and come home and offer her a very gentle rope scene. Maybe in the privacy of your own bedroom, she'll be okay with you tying up her wrist. And you know, it's it's a little bit like they say: the first hit is free. You know what I mean? Once you get people hooked, once you open a door for people, they will do the rest of the work a lot easier. So sometimes it's in the beginning to get things going. So if they're longing for this, bring it home to them. Give them a taste. And that can create an invitation like you want more. Let's go find it. Let's go learn it. Let's go explore it. Give them a good experience that you can build on. Do you ever see that? I don't know if we've spoken about this in private before, but a, a document that Ray Vetterlein wrote pre One Taste about orgasm demos? Uh, I have not. I know I've heard of Ray. I haven't read anything about him. Or yeah, well, him. Anyway, there's a line he says about the purpose of orgasm demos, which is, when a woman sees another woman in orgasm, she immediately yeah. knows how to do it. Like there's no instruction needed. Like she sees it immediately, her body knows how to reach that level uh, because of suggestibility or maybe the things you're mentioning. But well, it's a lovely proposition. I don't know if it's that magical, but I agree with the direction he's heading in. Mm -hmm. That we certainly absorb things from each other by simply observing our each other's states. So yes, we that we learn by example. We learn by. Uh, I don't know what the correct word osmosis sounds like a cheesy way to say it, but something like that are in the in the more woo-woo community, you will say things like transference or transmission. Mm -hmm. 
transmission is a word that's gotten, it's getting to be one of those annoying words, but I think it's actually a true word. That there are things that get transmitted and they're not, they're in the non-verbal zone. As, as, as we say in communication, most of communication is non-verbal. So being in the presence and being in, in that intensity, a lot of information is flowing through the non-verbal channels. Yeah, I totally it's not Google, it's not mystical. It's just simply that our communication is nonverbal. But if it's going to be nonverbal, it's go, it's going to need other modalities. And showing up, let's say, for a demo, is a big other modality. Nobody has to speak to you. You don't have to speak to them. But a lot of transmission is occurring between uh, you know between one and the other. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen it even like uh, like when living with you in Austin for a weekend or staying with Laurie. Like, yeah. it's like. I feel like I learn more from hanging out casually or maybe as yeah. much as in a focused workshop. It's like something yeah. gets passed along. I, I believe that. I love that too. I love that. I miss that about sensuality communities. I, mean, I love that about just, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, a thought that's occurring to me and maybe, I don't know, maybe this can be a segue, quite frankly, is Oh, we are veering into one of my tender and pissed off topics. So there's a lot of bullshit going on in our society these days about how in all the ways fatherhood is being devalued, right? There's a still a nasty feminist narrative like who needs fathers anyways? I'll tell you one of the things you need fathers for is this transmission. You want to know why men are so beta these days? You want to know why men are so lost? They never got these direct transmissions from their fathers. And it doesn't mean the father, like in a fucking commercial, sitting down and teaching his son a lesson. Don't wrestle hard. Don't do this. No, it's taking your child fishing and not speaking a goddamn word for six hours. And coming back full of love, full of bonding, full of feeling of belonging that your father loves you, he cares for you, you love your father, you spend this amazing day together, you caught a couple of fish. It's not about words. It's about transmission that happens directly. And quite frankly, this is the part where I think men get shortchanged. We have, we have bought into this bullshit narrative that women are the great communicators, that women are the great ones, talkers of the world. And why can't men communicate like women? I dismiss this entire goddamn premise, right? This was a, this was a great thing. Uh, yeah, so I can make this point the way of a joke, stand-up comedian. It's like men and women are always asking each other the wrong questions. Uh, if men go out, let's say men go out fishing or golfing and they come back and the wives say, what did you guys talk about? And the guys say, nothing. And the women say they're lying. And men go up, men go away, and they come back to their their circle of wives, and they ask the women, "So, what did you all do today?" They're like, "Nothing." And men think either they're lying or fuck, that's a waste of a day. We operate differently. We operate differently. Women's transmission happens through a gaggle of language. That's why they can hear four conversations at the same time. It's what their brains are built. It's a channel where they operate. Men don't have exactly the same channel all the time. So their channels, you can call it's more transmission. But if you dismiss it just because it's not yak, 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 and you can't record it and videotape it, and it's not going into your ear every fucking second, and you think nothing is happening between men, and there is no bonding occurring, or that a father and a son quietly doing even a chore, a household chore, like raking the fucking leaves off the lawn for, for an hour, does not create love and bonding and intimacy and shows the son how to be a man, you are out of your fucking minds. And you are, you are also like immensely stupid. I mean, like your, 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 your width of perception is really isn't that great. You're shortchanging humanity and you sure as fuck are shortchanging men and how we operate. So yes, this, this is again the thing. You can't just teach dominance by an instruction manual. You have to see one. You have to sit in front of one and realize it's not about being an asshole or taking over every conversation or bullying people. Yeah, the biggest alpha in a proper, you know, let's just call it a proper patriarchal family probably is the most benevolent and the quietest figure. 
it might be the grandfather who everyone is terrified of and everybody respects, but the grandfather never raises his voice. You know, Marlon Brando in The Godfather is the archetype of that. <laughs> oh my God, what bigger fucking examples do you need? Do you see Marlon Brando slap anybody's face? Do you ever even see him scream at anyone? There's one time he gets mad at one of his sons because his son is being a total douchebag. So he scolds him a little bit. Never share the family secrets with anyone else, right? That's a, that's a father being a father and the son gets it like shit. I disappointed my father. You don't want to do that. Yeah. And you know the father is just, you know the father is watching your ass and you know if that father is yelling at you, you fucked up. You acted and talked out of your fucking ass and you pissed off your father. You were out of line and you will hopefully you'll never forget that correction. That's how manhood gets transferred man to man. That's how dominance gets transferred. You see that man and he's like, well, you know, minus the gangsterness and killing. That is what a good father looks like. He's gentle. He plays with his grandchild. He loves his family. He has children running around him. He's not impatient. He's not an asshole. But he is a fucking alpha. He's an ultra alpha. He rules his domain and he's responsible for his domain. That's what the alpha looks like. It doesn't look like, you know, the villain from Back to the Future. It doesn't look like the school bully. So it's like, it's, this is the idea that your, your friends, you know, men of your age and younger are coming in with thinking, I want to be a dom. Uh, that's what a dominant man looks like. And I'm like, son, let's pull you out of the river first. And why don't you sit here next to me on the banks for a little bit, quietly, and let's have a slower conversation. Because all, all those men are getting, even when they get training, you know, I don't know, if, if they get any training at all, are like gimmicks. Which, uh, yeah, the thing that I, I come across with guys, even guys who are older than me, is this guilt. It's like they want to be dominant. They see there's a sexual payoff or an attractiveness payoff, but they feel they still have this like, if they don't have a template, if they've never witnessed dominance, maybe they didn't have a father like that, they yeah. think that they're doing something bad at its root. And I, and I tell them, like, you need to give yourself a reference experience of, of being dominant and seeing how much joy you can give another person, whether it's your woman or something, if you actually dom well. And then you'll stop feeling like a douchebag, even when, you're, when maybe you're doing a good job. Yeah, I mean, not only will you, hopefully, yes, that too. And, and if you actually learn to dom consciously, you will realize it's a lot of work. It's actually a very generous space to hold for someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, energy mastery and time goes from gets transferred from the dom to the sub. The mm -hmm. dom is the one who expends energy and mastery to give the submissive a ride, and that's actually a very generous thing to do. It is it it is exactly the equivalent of saying to someone, "Come over, I'm going to cook a delicious meal for you. What do you want to eat?" We all understand that as being a very generous and friendly gesture. Being a dom is exactly the same. Doms create rights for their subs. And you have to have skill to do that and you need to have clarity to do that. So it's hardly anything. Yeah, it's absurd to say, feel guilty about it. If you feel guilty about it, you don't quite understand yet what this dynamic is. So I actually have a personal question, kind of, is that I've, um, every so often I'll meet a woman who maybe wants me to tie her up or she wants to do some explicit every once in a while Rowan. No, no, when no. you get a woman who doesn't want to be tied up no no I mean, this is your podcast brother speak the truth no no okay yeah i'm talking once in a while a woman hey, really answer my hand. question answer my question first when was the last time you were close to a woman who didn't want to be tied up it, it's it's always well let me finish the sentence the thing that's once in a while is that she has an issue with the power dynamic. Like she'll actually consent, she'll ask to be tied up, but she will not surrender because she has this feeling like if I let go, I'm giving Ruan, I'm giving this guy too much power and I'll be powerless. Even if they understand it, even if they, you know, yeah. maybe they've heard you speak and they understand it intellectually, they will not let go. And I don't feel it's my place to convince them to. So I kind of just let them go. If they're not going to surrender, I just stop. Um, but it's, it's like, a, it's a dilemma because I know what they want, but they yeah. can't let themselves go there. Like, what do you do in such a situation? Well, I think it's always good to start with understanding a little bit. 
even even if even if the understanding doesn't yield the result, there's still a better path to take. So, and if you're going to have a breakthrough, if you're going to solve the unpleasant situation or the problem or the glitch that's in front of you, it's only going to happen if you understand what its structure is and why it's showing up. So first thing you should uh, address in this thing is make sure usually because people don't understand consensual DS play, they conflate the consensual exchange of power with the non-consensual exchange or even exchange is not the right word. If it's non-consensual power is being ripped from one person to the other. So, and most people, it's a given if she is new at this, she has not done this enough. She does not understand the consensual transference of power and control. What she does understand, what we all understand is what non-consensual domination looks like when somebody overpowers you, when somebody victimizes you, when somebody puts you in a position you don't wanna be in, when somebody puts you in a weak position. So we all want to avoid the latter. We all want to avoid being non-consensually dominated. We all do, all the time. So if the only uh, alarm in her mind is, I don't want to be non-consensually dominated. I don't want to just give up control. It's a healthy safeguard in her mind, in all of our minds. It's really not a problem. What need the correction that needs to happen is she needs to understand that's not what this is. And she doesn't have enough experience to understand that. So if you know that's what's going on in her mind, maybe you can have a conversation that clarifies this for her. You can assure her that you are doing this for her pleasure, that she can stop the scene at any time she wants. She can communicate during the scene. She's not entering some kind of a zone of silence. If she doesn't like something, she can tell you to stop or change. And at any point, she can end the scene and walk out the door. She has that control. This is, this is a play. This is a game. So the transference of power is about as real as children playing cops and robbers or cop and, jail, cop and you know, jailer and jailed. You are in jail and I am the policeman. I'm, you're gonna go, I'm gonna lock you in this closet. You're playing a game. You can get out of the closet anytime you want. There aren't any locks on the closet, right? You're not a real jailer and you're not a real prisoner. You're playing at this thing. You're tying somebody up in rope by their consent. They have to cooperate with you. So if they have that clarity, I think that can, that you, you seduce with the truth because you can only seduce the mind with the truth. The mind will raise objections. And half the times those objections, sometimes those objections are neurotic and simply bratty. But a lot of the times those objections are simply healthy safeguards. And if they're healthy safeguards, you need to address them. And if you address them successfully, they will quiet down. Because once people get the distinction, they're like, oh yeah, this is just fun. This is just play. Of course, I'm not really transferring over any control or power to you. We're just having fun. Here, I'm gonna tie you up next. You're like, here, go ahead, right? That's great. What about outside of scene? I'm actually thinking, I wasn't planning on asking you for advice, but why not? Uh, <laughs> think of a specific <laughs> situation with a woman that was applicable in the rope scene, but uh, we actually kind of had a breakdown because she didn't like how in flirtation even, she would go into like this, there was like a power dynamic where I kind of had control and she didn't like that. And we would naturally go there all the time when we were flirting. Like she was kind of giving me the keys. And I, I was like, that kind of, I mean, I understand the concern because you don't know what I'm going to do. We don't know each other that well. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite understanding your question. So I don't understand what the issue is. You're flirting with a girl. How is DS coming into this? She felt that I was, I, um, she felt that I, she was giving me too much power by surrender. In a conversation. Yeah. That sounds like a social justice warrior bullshit comment to make. Like someone is just taking my power and I'm being victimized in spite of myself. You're having a fucking conversation. How was she being dominated? Were you like talking over her, insulting her, missing uh, well, her? I was trying to stay outside of the details, but for, for instance, um, it was clear she was more invested 
in my attention than I was in hers, for example. And like that is okay. a that is a you know a discrepancy in power, and I can see how that could maybe drive insecurities in a person. Is that just an unhealthy dynamic then? No, I don't think so. I think that's life. I think that's vibrant life. I think any good conversation, if you're going to live in any kind of a real way and if you're going to engage with people, especially if you if you have a desire to engage in people of high caliber, people of high caliber, especially men of high caliber tend to be disagreeable people. If you bore them, they will look in your face and say, you're boring, stop talking. Right? So, hey, I'm I'm for full body contact living. So what, if you are, if you're, I mean, if you feel someone's obnoxious, walk away. If you feel you're, someone's boring you because they're just being, uh, you know, boorish, then yeah, it's just unpleasant to talk to them. But if somebody is being, somebody's making their point, if somebody's making their argument, and your complaint is what? Oh, you're just speaking too loud or you're, that's nonsense. It's like, you want to talk, talk. You want to engage, engage. I'm going to talk my way, you talk your way. Why this oversensitivity about everything? Fair enough. And by all means, be gracious, you know, but still, I don't, I don't, unless you're like trying to control her, con- I don't know. I don't know what you were doing. It's, it's really vague. I was just, oh, yeah, I think, I think I got the answer. I, I, I yeah. um, so you've been, you, you just mentioned earlier before we started that you've been working with couples more in your workshops. Uh, I've been working with couples. I mean, the couples always come to my workshops. Couples always come to my coaching sessions. So yeah, mm. yeah. But Does anything new come out uh, with the with with that specifically? You just mentioned offhand before we start recording that it sounded like something new was going on with your work or something new and interesting. Uh, I think all these topics they really show up very clearly in with couples because I think you do need to be in a slightly long term relationship till all the patterns start showing up. Like even like even the desire, even what you're describing earlier, like you get to know a girl and you do, do realize she has some turn on with submission, but then she's resistant to it. And what do you do? These are kind of things you're probably not gonna find out on a first date. These are desires that show up over time. These are desires that reveal themselves over time. And sometimes these desires don't show up for people years into their relationship one of the most painful scenarios i get is you know let's say a couple even a young couple couple still in their 20s early 30s let's say they've been married three years and in the past few months the woman has started expressing desires for ds play it's by the way almost without fail it's the woman i don't know what that i don't know what that says it says something about our culture but at this point it's like i can almost put money down on it that if a couple is coming into my uh, class and coaching session and one of them is more eager for DS play than the other, I will put money down as the woman who wants it and the man who's resistant. And this always happens where the woman is like, this, this kind of play turns me on. Women are the one who have read Fifty Shades of Grey and women are the one who read body strippers, which pretty much have a lot of DS dynamic and energy in it. And women come in and say, I want this play, I want this guy oh, to date back their husband Bodice strip. the romance novels. You know, oh, romance yeah. novels with the bodice strippers that the genre is called. Okay. It's a very big genre, very very uh, prolific, and you know, there's a lot of money to be made. And I have a couple of writing writing friends who write novels in that genre. So anyway, these these tensions between men and women. So all these topics show up in long-term relationships. The women will say, I have desire in DS, and the man will show up and say, well, now you're asking me to be the kind of man that all my life I've been told not to be. I've been told dominance is bad, and now I don't have a template for that kind of masculinity and dominance. You, I've, been, I've been taught since kindergarten to be a feminized man. You told me that was a good thing. You all, everyone's working really hard to turn boys into girls, and you're succeeding. You will succeed. You really can succeed because... The human brain and the human psyche is very malleable. It is extremely malleable. Every generation, you know, I try to give this perspective to people. Like, like, like play this mind game with yourself once in a while to get an idea of how nimble the human species is. Yeah. Just think, let's not even go to our, our 
past uh, species ancestors. Let's just simply stay with Homo sapiens. Let's us, just us, people like you and me, okay? And let's go back, let's say at least 10,000 years. Yeah, we've been around for, we've been around for a lot longer. Let's just go back 10,000 years, right? If I picked up the Rwan of today, pulled him back 10,000 years, you would look like just like the people back there. 10,000 years, now imagine every culture that has ever existed. Every culture on this globe, every little village, every little tribe on every part of the globe for all those 10,000 years and all the different rules all those cultures had, all the different mores, all the different attitudes, all the different gods they worship, all the different relationships they had in their family, all the different sexual mores they had, all the ways they constructed family and marriage, all of it, all the varieties, all the varieties. And the experiment is, here's a newborn baby. You take this newborn baby and you can take this baby and you can put it in any of those cultures on the planet at any point in the past 10,000 years. And if you nurture that baby well, if you give it decent parents and loving parents, that baby will open its eyes, look around, make the sounds of its tribes, learn its language, learn the rules, and strive to be a successful member of that tribe at that time, in that community. That's what we are built for. We are that malleable. Now think how amazingly varied humanity has been over the decades, over the years, over the centuries, and over the globe. That's how malleable the human system is. Now I see a phenomena where you want to take kindergarten kids and tell them boys can be girls, girls can be boys. Sometimes a boy has a vagina and sometimes a girl has a penis and sometimes a boy turns into a girl and sometimes a girl turns into a boy. And accepting this is what makes you a successful human being in today's society. They will absorb all this. They will learn all this. They will absorb it. Some part of their instinct will rail against it because we are not completely blank templates. But we are also so tremendously malleable that the malleable aspect of us, the malleable component of us is going to absorb all this saying, be a successful human being in your current society, in your current tribe, in your current family, in your current school, with this adult, in this group, with these friends. Success strategy, success strategy, success strategy. This is how I become successful. This is what reality is. This is what truth is. This is what we are all in agreement with. I examine all that. And I get cold sweats when I do that experiment in my brain. I'm like, this shit you're teaching our children today, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost them for sure. Right? And why am I taking this tangent? Because the boys who show up in my coaching class and my workshops who are sitting next to their hot young wife or girlfriend who wants him to dominate her, he has been grown up in a model of success of masculinity that doesn't fit with this. And he's like, you taught me one model of success for manhood. And now you're asking me to do something entirely different. And after a certain point, after a certain age, we are not that malleable anymore. And if you try to change somebody from that to that, it almost creates like a trauma experience in their system. I literally have men. I, I, I'm not kidding here. I'm not, being, I'm not being funny. Literally, I've had this like multiple times where the women will be talking about their desires for Dia, especially in my, in, my, in my private coaching. And the man will be sitting with his hands under his thighs. I do DS play. I understand posture. I understand body language. I put women in posture through rope. They will, they will be talking and they will be they will be rocking and they will be, that this is how they will do their session. Hands under the thigh, sitting on their hands, rocking back about bit throat, not looking directly at their gal and talking. And it's almost like you've been called to the principal's office. It's like, I don't have a winning path out of here. I don't want to act. You're asking me to act. And right now, I don't want to put my hands on anything. My hands are going to stay underneath my legs right now. 
is very telling and it's very heartbreaking because you realize, because people think this, this work, oh, why don't you just teach me some rope skills? Why don't you just treat me how to throw a flogger? Brother, I can teach you to do that. There are other great DS masters out there who can teach you to teach the technicality of DS play 50 times better than I can. I'm not a technical master. You know, I know enough to have fun and enjoy, but I'm like not obsessed with all that specifics. If all you want to do is learn some technique, books, video, YouTube, everywhere, go and find it. It's not going to help you. You can't go from this to being an effective dom and holding dom space. You don't want it. Your fucking core doesn't want it. You're like, no, all my life you've been telling me that if I did that, I would be an unsuccessful man on this planet. I would be an unsuccessful man in my community. I would be an unsuccessful man with women. I would sure as shit would be an unsuccessful man on the college campuses that nobody would approve of me. And now you want me to dominate you? Now you want me to smack you around? Now you want me to hit you? You want me to hit my woman? Uh-uh. Can't do it. Won't do it. And I feel for him. I feel for him. And as a coach, I'm like, fuck, where do I go from here? Because it's like, how am I going to solve this problem? And this is 2019. And we have been creating these men for, you know, at least I, I came to this country in 1983. 1980s was the, the blossoming of the new age movement. The, 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 the perfect male yoga asshole you see all over the place. I think his template was created in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Right. And now he's in full blossom in his Lululemon pants with his own tattoos on his neck. The enlightened asshole guy who thinks he's so fucking brilliant and vegan and you know and now you're you you are only revving up the same engine and creating more feminized men you're creating more broken up unmasculine men men who can't really belong to a tribe of other men and now the women are waking up and saying dominate me i want you to be like christian gray like really sister your orders are a little confused Make up, make up your mind. What kind of men do you want? Because it takes a while to create those kind of men. Men are not made overnight. It takes a little time to create the kind of masculinity you want. And if you actually want conscious dominance, if you want real male leadership, it takes a fucking generation. And if anything, if we're doing anything... We are fucking up one generation of men after another with what we are doing to children and with the agenda we are running in society right now. Yeah, it's a shame that with the malleability, it doesn't work for everyone. Like the desires are still constant. Like the, it's not like you, you raise men in a feminized environment, the women also no longer want to be dominated. Like it's almost like you, that's like an independent variable. You don't. I think think we are a very, I would say we are a very equal combination of the two, right? If you encounter, it's funny, what's coming to mind is a line from uh, Jurassic Park in the the first one where they're on the tour and they're they're trying to lure out the T-Rex and they put out a goat to lure out the T-Rex and I think the Sam Neill character says, because the T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. <laughs> T-Rex wants to hunt, right? It's, it's kind of, in, in, in narrative terms, it's foreshadowing. You understand what the, what the writer is doing? He's foreshadowing. He's like, you think you can raise a T-Rex, put him behind a cage, and feed him enough goats to fill his belly, and everything is going to be fine. Are you a fucking idiot? There's 300 million years of evolution and selection that created that aggressive instinct. You think you can just... No, you can't outrun it, overrun it. The T-Rex would be like almost 100% instinct. So trying to override the T-Rex's instinct is truly a foolish thing to do. We, I would say, are about 50-50. We are not blank slates. We are not entirely malleable. That's why... If you try to create the malleable aspect of us that is in direct contradiction to our instincts, you get a really destroyed and devastated and confused generation. You know what you end up creating in Freudian and Jungian terms? A very deep shadow. 
a very deep shadow because what you have done is you have said over and over in the malleable aspect of us, in the nurture aspect of us, you have said your instincts are absolutely dead wrong. Okay? That's really fucked up. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine a more methodical and almost an ingenious way of destroying human psyches than taking such a bulk of our true instincts that has not just come out randomly, it has been selected for. We are the survivors. We are the ones carrying the instinct template that made us survive. And we look at all this instinct and we say, meh, we don't need that anymore. We don't need men to be aggressive and protective. We are too woke for that, right? We don't need men to be aggressive. And women, yeah, they, they want gentle, gentle, nice guys. Really? You think that's how we got here so far, sweetheart? We think those are, those are the men who killed the bison for you and woke up in the middle of the night to go out and see what the noise on the porch was? The thing that I'm like... Uh... Wondering is like how come it was easier to suppress the aggression in men and not the desire for that rawness in women? Like why 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 wasn't the the shift or the the nurture even across the board? Because that would actually be okay if everyone agreed to feminization. We would all you know shift on the same plane. There wouldn't be an issue. The issue is that women well, still well, want think- the thing that's. Instinctual. I, I I have an answer for you. It's a very it's a very it's actually an answer that applies to a lot of other inquiries, and in which is simply this: uh, women have more permission than men these days. Mm-hmm. Women have more permission to be themselves than men these days. Women have more permission to access their desires than men these days. Women have more permission to want what they want because they want it than men do these days. We you do not condemn you. Nobody is coming on Oprah and the View and condemning women for reading 150 million copies of this mediocre novel. No, they're giggling and chatting about it and they're having a conversation about it. But they're all in on it because they're having fun. Like, you know, we all think about that. They are they have permission for it. They are not forbidden. Nobody is condemning them. Nobody is stoning them. Nobody is. There is no fear in it anymore for women to say, I at least fantasize about rough stuff. Right? Nobody's surprised. I don't know what the exact number is, but it's pretty high. I don't know what, you know, ask, ask the Google engineers. The porn that women are watching tends to be very aggressive these days. I'm, I'm hearing this from, from, you know, reports I've encountered on the web. Women love watching DS play in their pornography. We're not, women are not condemned for that. There is no, so we are not actually putting as much, again, as much as the feminists would like to rail that the big bad man has got his boot on the woman's neck and he's suppressing her. We actually don't. There is not a big cost for women these days to be promiscuous. Nobody knows, nobody gives a shit. Nobody knows how much dick the average woman is taking every week from all her dating apps. And even if we did, we don't condemn it. Even if we wanted to condemn it, we don't have the balls to condemn it. We don't condemn women for their sexual desires and their sexual actions anymore. Quite frankly, I think we should a little bit because things have gone out of hand, but that's a slightly different segue. Actually, I don't think women's promiscuity is, is that great a thing, even for themselves. But you're asking why women are in touch with their instincts because they have the permission, because they don't have the societal finger pressing down on them saying, you should not sleep with a woman, you should not sleep before marriage, you should not do X, Y, and Z. They can do whatever the fuck they want these days. And they're right. They're, they're right as in they're found right in it. They're not condemned for it. Pretty much the only thing, let me finish this thought, because this is a thought that's relevant to your point and it shows up in my field. Pretty much the only thing women are condemned for these days is for saying they want to be submissive to men. The only desire, the only big desire I can see women being condemned for by society and by the societal narrative is a woman steps up and says, I am a submissive woman and I want to be submissive to a man. That's the only thing she'll get slapped down for. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. And guess what? A lot of our instincts, where do you think those desires are coming from? From the instinctual end. Does that answer your question? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking a lot about what you just said. The, uh, I just had a conversation with a, a younger guy earlier today who was, who was, who was, uh, he was concerned that dating apps have actually uh, increased the stratification uh, of, um, of men. It's not like 80-20, like the top 20% sleep with 80% with of the women. With these dating apps, it's actually made it even more extreme where uh, the, the elite men get all the pussy and like more and more men at the bottom are, uh, have, have access to zero. And yeah. because of the fact of what you just mentioned, like it's uh, become easier and easier. Uh, yeah. And I actually, I'm just piecing this together now, like the men have less permission to, you know, they, they'd be condemned. Actually, this guy was actually feeling a little guilty about rising to the top. Like, what do I have to do to make it to the, be the top 20% of men who get all the, get all the pussy? And he felt guilty yeah. about it. And then he wasn't letting himself, uh, even if he could, which is, um, it's like a mind fuck for, for, for guys, younger guys, all guys, actually. I hear you. I'm not, I, I know the numbers and statistics on dating apps. I have not explored this realm on my own, but I do hear the stories. I do hear quite a few stories. I hear a lot of stories from, again, my students and coaching clients because everybody is doing it. It seems to be the standard way to meet people. So I'm getting a lot of reports of what people are doing, how much sex they're having, the kind of sex they're having, and the aftermath. And none of it is, none, none of it is great. I mean, none of it is great. And not just referring to your, your point of, you know, most men don't get picked on those apps. I'm, I'm speaking from the women's end. I'm speaking from the women's end who have choices and women's who are, who are doing this and uh, doing it the way they want to do it. Even when they do it the way they want to do it, the end result is really not good. It's, and, you know, and it's not good at many levels, but in the final analysis, it really is not good at the soul level. I don't think it's really doing great things for the hearts and the psyches of women. Yeah, you posted something about that to Facebook, I think last year about how women really suffer by closing their heart during sex. Yeah. It's kind of what most people do when they choose to be promiscuous. Yeah. Can you say a little more about that? I think, I think it's, listen, you know, I, Ruan, I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I, I, I'm a, I know I'm an opinionated person and I get in trouble for my opinions, but I truly am not an ideologue. I, I, I'm not coming into any field with a set of beliefs saying, I want these beliefs to be true and I'm going to look for evidence that these beliefs be true. So you again said, you know, if everybody was, everybody was okay with uh, men being feminized, you wouldn't have a problem with it. You know, you know, the truth is, I wouldn't have a problem with it either. We all started off as feminists. We all started off as good little boys. We all started off wanting to please and serve women. We all started off with the belief being a good boy is what women reward and what women want. And then we, then new data came in and we like, well, I have to assimilate this data. You know what I mean? So if, if women having as much sex as they want with as many men as they want was making them happy, thriving, vibrant, like woohoo, finally we are getting ours. Finally we are getting fed. Oh my God, it's our time. I'm so happy. I'm so happy I'm fucking so many men and I can fuck as many men as I want and whenever I want and I don't have to answer to anyone. Finally, I got it. God damn, it's our time. I'm so happy. I'm so thrilled. This is the life. If that's what I was feeling from women, I'd be like, here you go, girl. Excellent. We solved a big problem. We have happy women running around. We should have women like dancing on the street the way they do it in rom-coms after the first night of lovemaking, you know? Somebody's walking down the street giving high five to strangers, that's what all the women in Manhattan should look like. If all that sex, all that quick, easy, anonymous sex was creating that much joy and fulfillment in their lives, we should be surrounded with women who are like baking you pies just because they're in a good mood. It is not what I'm seeing out there. 
Not at all, quite the opposite. So it's not my, so please don't take this like, I am in favor of women restricting their sex or I'm like, women should be blah, blah, blah. No, no, I'm like, is this shit really working for you? Because if it is, I have no fucking agenda. But if it isn't, now I'm curious because I am interested in this realm and I'm interested in seeing what works, what doesn't work, why it works, why it doesn't work. Because in this investigation, we also get to get closer to our true nature because you know you can't fuck with your true nature and be happy. You're out of sync someplace. So the narrative may sound really great. Hey, hey, men, women can have sex like men these days. They can go on the apps, fuck as many men as they want. Certainly in a city like New York, you know, have your booty call at 1 a.m., have another one at 2 a.m. Really, you can. I know people who do. What's to stop you? What's to stop you? People have rotations of lovers. You can have three a night. Women can. Beautiful women can. How is it working out for you? How do you feel? How are you feeling? How's your heart? Are you happy? How are you sleeping? How are your friendships? How's your work going? How many pills are you taking to get out of bed? And how many pills are you taking to get back into bed? The report out there ain't great. Women are not, and again, you don't need to take my word for it. My information comes anecdotally from the people I encounter, but you can go read the statistics of how many pills women are popping these days, how many prescriptions are in women's names for anti-anxiety medicine, for sleep medication, for social disorder, for, for depression. Suicide rates in women are going up. And from what I'm getting from women, the sex ain't good. The, the process is downright exhausting and humiliating. And the aftermath is soul crushing and humiliating. There's a lot of humiliation that's being accumulated in the systems of women. That's actually one of my hypotheses, which I have no way of testing out. I think one of the reasons the current woman is going show batshit crazy and neurotic and angry and pissed is exactly because of this. She is having a lot of sex that is not working for her and she doesn't know what to do about it. She doesn't know what to do next. You know what I mean? It's like somebody's starving and they have been longing for this dish and you bring them dish and they eat it and there's like no satisfaction. If anything else, their stomach hurts even more now. And they are really pissed because they thought they had found a solution. And feminists have been selling women the solution. Fuck like men. By the way, I actually don't think most men actually fuck like that. There's only a few, but few, few men who just want to rack up numbers and fuck as many women as possible. Even if people like George Clooney and Brad Pitt want to settle down and marry a single woman, one, one woman, they should kind of give you a fucking clue. Those women could fuck a different woman every night, probably three different women every night. They don't. I, I think it's another myth that men simply want to keep fucking as many if they could. I actually don't think that's true. But on the other hand, feminists have been selling this narrative to women, fuck like men, fuck as many men as you want, whenever you want, however you want. And hey, voila, as much as, as, much as that has been possible, Today is the year and the day and the time that that's possible for women. The results are in and they ain't, they ain't great. And you know, you don't need to take my word for it. I am planning on having these conversations with women on camera. A lot of them don't want to talk on camera, but I actually would love to have these conversations with them to share. But I'm certainly having these conversations with them, with friends in coaching sessions and my, in my classes and everywhere else where I talk to people that, uh, the number of sex partners is up. The number of sex acts is up. Yeah, people are having more, people, like anal sex is not really a big deal anymore with anyone. Sex partners is up, sex frequency is up, sex variety is up, ease of hookup is up. Satisfaction level, not so much, really not so much. And if you wanna go a little deeper and like soul level, all this connection with human beings, all this interpenetration of bodies, how is your soul feeling? Are you feeling really nourished, really connected? Like, my God, look at the bounty. Look at all these people in my life. Look at all this hotness in my life. Is that where most women are operating? I don't think so. I really don't. I wish it were the case. I'd be happy for them. So what do you suggest to women in such a situation? Don't fuck a man till you love him. 
See, but now here's the key. Here's the key. When I say something like that, they they think I'm simply telling people something like, uh, "Don't have sex till you get married." No, 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 no. It's not technically what I said, and I mean precisely what I said. Love every man you fuck. Love him with your fucking heart. That's my offer. If you think you can do that with ten men, do it. Absolutely, do it. If you think you can have all out, heart open, pussy open, cunt open, asshole open, head open, soul open, sex with a hundred men, a different man every day, fucking go do it. You are a fucking sexual priestess. Go and do it. You would heal the world. But love every man you fuck. Most women can't even do that with one guy. So the damage so, you're saying to the individual happens from sex without love. It's, it's actually reminding me of um, the reason why I didn't end up going into the military was I read a book on killing and how PTSD is not caused by killing. It's not caused by danger. It's not caused by bombs. It's caused by killing without remorse. At least that was his thesis. Like killing, killing is fine. People have been killing yeah. each other forever. PTSD <laughs> is on the rise in the 20, 21st century and 20th century because people have learned how to kill without caring about it. And that's why everyone gets fucked up post-World War II, Vietnam, et cetera. That's an interesting premise. I mean, I would say the premise kind of, I mean, it kind of loops around itself because if you were truly without remorse, I can't imagine you would have PTSD. So obviously there is remorse, but you're not feeling it. It's in the moment, like uh, modern military training has trained people to fire the gun and not see them as humans. Black Mirror yes. actually did an episode on this. And then they come back home and like, oh, what the fuck? I didn't feel anything when I shot those 14-year-olds. Like, no. uh, anyway, it's a bit of an odd tangent, but it's making me feel... No, I think, pain. listen, I think you're... For, I, I don't know exactly. I don't want to I don't want to talk like I understand soldiers and war and PTSD. I have never experienced that, but I can speak... You know, Osho used to say this point about... He was, he was in big favor of us integrating all of our energies very much in the Jungian sense that if it's a part of you, you better integrate it because otherwise you're just going to create shadow. And Vosho would say this. He would say, I have met a lot of people in his life and he had. He used to, used to love and travel and just meet people and talk to people. And he said, some of the most peaceful peoples I have met are hunters and butchers. Hmm. Now you would think, well, that's it's an odd thing to say. But I think he was simply making the point that it isn't the violence. It is, have you integrated the violence? Do you understand you are not the violence? Do you understand you are a sane and moral human being committing controlled violence when and where it's needed? You're not doing it arbitrarily. You're not doing it flippantly. You're not doing it for entertainment. You do what's necessary, right? And if, you, if it's that well integrated into your system, then I think you have less, it's less likely or almost unlikely, impossible that it would create this kind of a split in your system, which has to be reintegrated. And having, having a PC need to reintegrate, I think is my understanding at least, the essential structure of trauma. There's a split, something is split and not integrated, and it needs to be put back together. And if that's happening through violence, then some aspect of the violence you're committing is not integrated into your system. This is also the fear with uh, boys who are afraid of doing the split. They're like, I'm never going to hit a woman. They actually, in a way, it's a safety mechanism because they feel the only way I could do this was would be to split myself. I would have to create an altered version of myself that could be aggressive with a woman. And that actually is not a good thing. You actually don't want to do that. Better way to do it is to expand your understanding of yourself and realize why you're doing this and that you're doing it for fun and heart and reasons. And you may even generate love and intimacy with it so that you don't feel I have to, I have to schism myself here, create a schism here in order, to do, in order to act in this other way. But part of your, part of your premise is that with like feminization or this malleability, there is a part of every, maybe not every man, but many men, many boys that does want to do all those things. It does want to dominate. And this is causing them to disconnect from their instincts. Yeah. Right? So yeah. 
I mean, this might actually, this might be my last question because we're, we're coming up on an hour, but um, where does one start? Like they've listened to, maybe you talk, they've read some stuff on DS psychology and they know intellectually that they want to integrate this part, but it seems so foreign. Like it does not feel like them, but maybe their girlfriend's asking for it or something. Like, where do you start? Are you specifically asking about a DS play in an intimate relationship? I think it could apply to a lot of things, but but yeah, but like the, the well, I would be dominant. Ruan, I think you know my answer to this. You you've been in my answer to this, and I would always start with the archetypes. I would always start with it's almost an internal meditation on accessing your dom and your sub archetypes. It's not in any action. It is not. You don't jump to relationships. You don't jump to action. You don't jump to handling another human being. You start within yourself, and you get in touch with your dom, and you almost teach you know, treat it, I don't have any, you can use your secular language. I'm going to use a language that makes sense to me. I treat these as aspects of our soul. Our soul has components. Our soul, you know, it almost has modules that it has brought in this lifetime because those modules are needed for our journey and then those modules have arcs. And if you find your inner Dom, that is a genuine way to take a journey. If you find that aspect of your masculinity, that's a, that's a genuine way to take the journey of masculinity in this world. So find it within yourself, integrate it within yourself, deal with yourself, and then proceed slowly. And then if you need any reinforcement, the biggest fear people have is actually a healthy fear. Yeah, this comes up in my class all the time. People say, well, I'm afraid I might hurt someone. And I joke back, feebly good now i know you're not a sociopath it's good that you're afraid you might hurt someone that's a healthy check in the brain so it's fine that men think i don't think i want to go in this round because if i did i might become a bad man i think that's a healthy check and the only only good way to uh dissolve that is to see the light aspect of dominance because you're, you're afraid that dominance is only dark. You're afraid that dominance only hurts people. You're afraid that dominance is only predatory. You think dominance only takes energy from other people and leaves them, you know, hurt. So what you need to do is experience the light side of dominance, which is you need to see how your dominance serves somebody. You need to see how your dominance is useful. You need to see, you need to have other people thanking you for your dominance. Right, But then you also need to take that in and integrate it to see dominance has a light side. It can have a dark side, but everything has a light side and a dark side. You think that the weak men doesn't have a light, dark side? Of course, it's a dark side. It's like half the rapists out there are feminist men. They're not aggressive alpha men. It's these guys holding up the placard, I'm a proud feminist, who are doing shitty things to women. No shit has a dark side to the feminine men. And if you're afraid of the masculine side of the, of the more aggressive side, then start finding the bright side of it. And then one great way to find it in an intimate relationship is get your woman off, man. Your woman is getting off. She's thrilled. She's having fun. She's having an orgasm. She's going out and telling all her girlfriends about you. She's looking at you more lovingly and softly because what you're doing to her and the places you're reaching in her that other men haven't, all good stuff. Take that in. Like that, your dominance created that hot, hotness, that heat, that eros, even that affection and love between the two of you. And that can be a great positive loop. That's what people take away from my classes. That's why they're glowing at the end of my workshops. Exactly because they have felt, wow. I, first of all, I've never been able to get my partner off this well. Certainly not in this way. And now I have access to parts of myself which I thought were categorically bad or evil. And those are the parts needed to get my lover off that well. Mm. Damn, that's a discovery. And it's a great discovery. And it's very satisfying to have people go through that journey over and over, to have, the, have them integrate that part. Like, no, not only is this not a shitty part of me, this part of me is actually the part that's needed to create this love and intimacy and great sex. And that's a great positive feedback loop. Awesome. So speaking of, do you have any workshops coming up? 
Anything I... You I'm heading to Berlin end of July to teach at a very interesting looking festival. It's my first time there. I'm teaching with Laurie in Amsterdam in October over Tantrami's BDSM class. And I have a lot of conversations going on about classes on the West Coast. I just taught in Portland. They want us back there. Might be teaching in Florida. Might be teaching here in Jersey City. Around the Amsterdam class, might be doing something in Vienna and Berlin. But things are kind of, I'm placing things on the board. Gotcha. I will have more soon. Yeah. So omrapaniDS.com is the best place to find all that? Yes, or just omrapani.org. It's the same website. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Om. Always uh, leaving me with things to think about. Cool. Uh, this is great. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to ruwando.com. Catch me on social media at ruwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.